Hi everyone, I'm Tony Garitano, founder of Progress and Lending Association, and I want to welcome you to another edition of the Lending Buzz podcast. I want to start off this edition like I do every edition of the Lending Buzz podcast by giving you my take. That's where I give you my take about what's going on in the lending industry today. Last week on the podcast, I warned people that if they're going to live conferences um, in the fall because they think that they're going to be a silver bullet to automatically increasing sales, uh, they are going to be sadly mistaken. However, that doesn't mean that going to live conferences can't be successful if done correctly. So here are three tips. Number one, book yourself up in advance with meetings. Don't go to a live conference thinking that you're going to get there and you're going to get all of these leads. You have to pre-plan and make sure that you're going to be busy at that conference, even if the conference itself doesn't give you any leads. You are not going to get leads out of thin air just by attending a live conference. Number two, don't send everybody and their brother to the conference. I went to a conference. I ran into a accountant and a uh, CTO on their way to the pool. Yes, you heard me correctly. I talked to these two people as I was leaving my lunch meeting and said, hey, how are you? Um, Where are you off to? They were in their bathing suits and they were very happy to tell me that they were going to the pool. If you have enough time to go to the pool, you shouldn't be going to the conference. There is no need for every company to send all of their executives to these live conferences for no good reason. If they're not there and they don't have a specific job function that is fulfilled by being at the conference, if they're not there to get you more leads, if they're not booked up with meetings, if they're not busy doing Uh, functions assigned to them by the company for the company, then they should not be there. Lastly, you don't have to stay for the entire conference. If you book yourself up with meetings, say, all day Monday, you could go to the conference on Sunday, stay all day Monday, and leave Monday night. There's no reason to book yourself up with two meetings on Monday and two meetings on Tuesday and one meeting on Wednesday. Try to get all of those meetings into one day and decide if you really need to spend the time and money at the conference for the entire three days. Hotels are expensive. Travel is expensive. And every day you spend at that conference you're raking up more 
bills, whether it be food, whether it be entertainment, whether it be hotel, whether it be taxis, all of those bills accumulate. And why should the company pay those bills if it's not generating the company any revenue? So try to book, book yourself up to the hilt on Monday and leave Monday night or Tuesday morning. Why waste all that money? So those are just three tips for people that are excited to go to conferences in the fall. And um, I hope they are very successful for you and for your company. But number one, do not go to a conference in the fall thinking that just by being there, your company is going to get 10 leads or 10 closed deals. That's not going to happen. So go there with um, clear expectations. Book yourself up with meetings. Don't send everybody in the company if they don't fulfill a function at the conference that's bringing in more revenue. And leave early. You don't have to stay the whole time. Those are just my tips for making live conferences successful for you and your business in the fall. Now, I want to turn to the executive spotlight section of our podcast, where we put an executive in the spotlight so they can share their industry information, expertise, and insight with all of you. So I'd like to welcome Greer Allgood. She's the Managing Director of Mortgage Operations within the Wipro Opus Wipro Opus, excuse me, Risk Solutions Division of Wipro Limited. Greer has over 30 years of experience in financial services and bank regulatory compliance. She was a co-owner and COO of Leland Group Mortgage LLC and has had executive has held executive level positions in both mortgage and retail banking firms. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So I have a few questions for you that I think are on the top of mind of everybody um, that's going to be listening. So let's start off by asking, how would you say the pandemic affected the way we as an industry look at operational risk? Well, um, one of the things that happened, obviously, during the pandemic, specifically in mortgage, is... Um, you know, the resources, the majority of resources went remote. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, specifically in due diligence, um, underwriting, um, the support roles and underwriters specifically, it was not unusual for them to be remote to a certain degree with their, um, with their positions. However, this obviously stepped it up to a much greater degree. So um, I would say this in, in this new environment, it, um, it really created the necessity to use uh, video interaction uh, inter- interaction system tools, excuse me, um, such as MS Teams and WebEx, yep. as well as created the criticality of ensuring there's much more discipline and cadence with connecting with those talent and those team members from management. Um, the, the ability to do the video conferencing is, is probably more critical than ever, just so um, you not only have a, a voice, but you have a face uh, versus not being in the office. Um, 
And the other piece I would say from an operational risk perspective is clearly training uh, of new resources and, and ongoing training of that talent um, became virtual. So I, I think at when we look at operational risk and we, when we look at the, the talent that we have on staff that are performing the, the, the activities and the service that we need to, to deliver to clients, um, their training has to be uh, not only thorough, but we need to follow up behind that virtual training to a large degree um, with much more uh, discipline around making sure that they absorbed it. Um, and, and again, going back to the video conferencing and, and um, WebEx and things like that, um, making sure they're, you know, staying engaged and attentive. You can read a lot from people when you're in, in front of them and are they absorbing it? Are they confused? So um, that piece, I think, was, was uh, required to be much more enhanced across the industry. And uh, finally, you know, one of the things that is really critical since you're not walking the floor and you are in a virtual environment, uh, automating as much as possible checks and balances and performing quality checks across, um, across the work that's being performed and making sure you're creating the discipline to follow up and per- still continue to provide real-time feedback even though you're not walking the floor and can walk up and answer questions and identify training issues or performance issues, you need to be much more disciplined in uh, contacting uh, that talent and making sure you're having those one-on-one discussions, um, you know, readily available at any time. So I would say that that's, that's really how it affected uh, the industry, and it's, it's really critical that, um, that those one-on-ones and, the, and that engagement with talent is um, much more robust now. Requires a little bit more effort, but well worth it. So as the global nature of businesses continue to grow, how do you think that will affect offshoring moving forward? Well, the, um, the utilization of offshore resources has definitely become much more robust, and it's a more robust option to allow capacity and flexibility to meet the demands of growth. In the due diligence side, um, there is a great deal of demand. And um, as a result, in order for um, a a lot of the deliverables to be performed, you need to build and expand out your resource base. And offshore, uh, there's there's a great deal of options there. So but because of that, um, it's driven the need to acquire advanced skill sets and experience from that from from those uh, resources offshore, and the necessity to move more towards um, much more robust and advanced training and performance monitoring. Um, but what we've already seen as an increase, or what we've already seen as a result of this, is an increase in quality and growth trajectory, allowing us to uh, deliver more, deliver more efficient. Um, because of course, with offshore. That you know you have that time uh, zone change, where as your onshore are you know working during the day, there at night you can get a great deal done during um, the evening hours while onshore or offshore comes online. So you have a more twenty four seven type of productivity, which is so critical, 
And um, that allows us, you know, allows the industry the ability to consume the additional business needs. Last question before I let you go, Greer. Um, tell us what we can expect to see from uh, specifically um, Wipro Opris in the next year. Well, we, we are very excited here um, on, on the Wipro Opus side. We, uh, our engagements with our clients and rating agencies are obviously very critical to Wipro. And through our planned technology advances and innovative workflows, we plan to continue to drive more transparency and real-time reporting for our clients because that is a very big driver and a very big need for our clients. Um, we continue to enhance our ability to demonstrate capabilities to meet all compliance and quality requirements. And that's something that's very critical to our, to our clients, but it's also critical to our rating agencies who we face off with. And, and we have to make sure that, um, that our rating agency partners as well as our clients are in line and feel comfortable with our process and our deliverables and our quality. So we're looking forward to continuing to enhance those. In addition, Wipro Opus is focused on creating a more robust working environment uh, within their due diligence reviews, uh, which in turn increases our client experience and quality deliverables. And what I mean by that, we, we plan to incorporate flexible bifurcated review process uh, we're bifurcating our reviews to, um, to allow our talent to use their specialized skills to focus on sections of the different reviews, whether that's compliance only or credit only, or if it's a combination, we've bifurcated it to allow skill sets to come in and do those section, of, section reviews. Um, and then we've utilized offshore, speaking about offshore earlier, we utilized offshore um, operational administrators to stage the loan for review. Uh, they, they manage the data. They manage um, the bookmarking of, of documents and things like that, which allows our onshore reviewers to begin the actual review quicker and without requiring them to perform a lot of administrative steps in order to stage the loan. So that's been incredibly helpful. And then, um, you know, as I said, we continue to enhance our initial and ongoing training program by closely monitoring our staff identify areas of opportunity, um, as well as allow our talent to continuously cross-train and advance in their careers more expediently, um, driving retention and higher quality of, of work-life balance. Um, so we, uh, you know, we, we, we are really looking forward to um, um, enhancing and, and growing the organization, especially growing operations so we can um, uh, meet the business needs of our current clients, but also branch out and uh, continue to add additional clients because there is a very big, big business need there. So uh, we're we're really looking forward to uh, continuing to en enhance in many areas in the future. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. You bet. Thank you, Tony. I would like to thank our special guest, for joining us. I would also like to thank all of you for listening. And with that, this edition of the Lending Buzz podcast comes to a close. Until next time, so long.